0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello,
0: everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This podcast is made possible by Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today our guest is Dr. Peter Holman. He is the head of of the Biostatistics and Bioinformatics Unit at the MRC Center for Neuropsychiatric Genetics and Geno- Genomics at Cardiff University, University and has over 25 years' experience in the statistical analysis of complex genetic traits, both in data analysis and developing novel genetic methodology. He has led the statistical analysis of large multicenter collaborations and genome-wide linkage of schizophrenia and association in Alzheimer's disease, schizophrenia, of particular relevance to HD and other repeat disorders. He led the pathway analysis of the two gem genetic modifiers and also the genetic analysis of HD progression, implicating DNA repair pathways as modifiers both of age and onset and progression in HD. He has also led the pathway analysis of HD RNA sequence expression data in myeloid cells and whole blood implicating immune pathways as relevant to HD pathogenesis and uncovering shared susceptibility pathways with other neurodegenerative disorders. Currently, he is interested in discovering genetic modifiers associated with other phenotypes, particularly psychiatric and HD. He's married to Leslie Jones, and they live in Cardiff with three cats. He's a keen bridge player, fond of watching cricket, and also a diehard
1: St. Louis Cardinals fan.
0: Dr. Herman, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you, uh, Lauren. And, and I noticed that the Cardinals beat the Cubs last night, which is making me feel in a very good mood. So.
0: <laughs> oh, it sounds like uh, you're, you know, the Cardinals fan of baseball. I'm, I'm more of a football fan. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but I'm very glad your team won, making you feel good well, today. Fo-
1: football, as in American football, is that so? Yes, American football, football as in yeah, the okay, right, is, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The soccer is wonderful too. My husband used to play soccer, so I do have an interest in that as well. Right. But um yeah, American football right. for sure. Okay. So um let's go ahead and jump into our questions here. Why do you enjoy researching um H D in particular?
1: So I think there's three main reasons for this. I mean I you know, I started off working in other um Diseases like psychiatric disorders and also, you know, Alzheimer's disease. But so the first reason I I, I like working on HD is it's it, I think it's a really interesting field scientifically, and I think you know the with the recent genetic studies of uh, of age of onset and progression, you know, where well, I think we're really making some real progress into understanding the biological processes. Um, you know, it sort of feels like we're actually. In a, in a sort of big expansion period of sort of HD research, you know, and it's it's kind of be intre- it's interesting to be in in that. So, and I, you know, I feel like I can really make quite a difference, you know, with my own research here. So, so the second reason is that I found that the HD scientific community is, compared to some other disease fields I've worked in, mentioning no names, the uh, the scientific community in HD seems to be really open and collaborative. And I think, you know, quite a lot of the credit for this must go to the funding organisations such as CHDI, you know. So so I mean it is it's a really nice field to work in. And I think the probably the most important reason is that, you know, I've been really impressed since I got into H D research by the commitment and the involvement of H D patients and their families in, in the research. You know, they're really they're really engaged and, you know. So I think that's um, really quite an inspiration. So
0: do you, you find that um that most people in the hd community consider are um very involved as you said is that how is that different from like alzheimer's are they not nearly as involved with research
1: um well i mean it's not so it's not quite as obvious i mean so you know the first um the first uh, hd meeting i went to you know they basically had you know family members and patients you know HD patients there, you know, actually as part of the scientific meeting, which was quite interesting. So, I've never seen that before in any of the other fields I've worked in. So, I mean,
0: oh, really? it's really? a bit more at arm's length.
1: So, yeah. No, I, I mean, the way yeah, they sort that of seems to be really really directly involved in the research is quite, I like that. It's, that's good. So,
0: yeah, I've actually been part of a focus group for, um, for research um, I flew out to Sacramento, California, and um, and helped with a focus group there. And I've actually been a patient advocate for a clinical trial, so um, I, you know I know personally I'm very involved when it comes to Huntington's, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I know that we really really push our community to be involved in research because it's so important because otherwise we can't find a cure. So it's great hearing that that's yep. the case that you know that researchers are feeling like we really are getting involved.
1: Yeah, no, that really comes over very strongly, I think. So. That's great.
0: So today we're talking about a specific study. The study is called Genetic Risk Underlying Psychiatric and Cognitive Symptoms in Huntington's Disease. How did this study come about?
1: Well, so uh, in your little positive bio that you started off with, um, and I was, as you said, I was involved in the two big um, GEM consortium studies of uh, age and motor onset. And also in another association study of uh, progression, and you know I was kind of inspired by you know, the success that those had um, and I thought you know let's what about other symptoms in hd so so it's It's known that psychiatric symptoms are more common in HD patients than in the general population, so for example, psychosis is about ten percent in hD you know schizophrenia is about one percent in the general population but I also noticed that the you know the factors underlying the susceptibility to these psychiatric symptoms you know aren't terribly well studied so i thought well given that we found genetic contribution to age of onset and progression i thought there might be a similar sort of genetic contribution to psychiatric symptoms and furthermore this actually might be shared with you know the psychiatric disorders that i also work in as part of my work here in cardiff so i work in the neuropsychiatric genetics uh, group here so so, you know, psychiatric disorders like schizophrenia and bipolar are, you know, kind of our bread and butter, really. We, we've done a lot of work in those. And we got some really big samples to look at. So that was kind of the rationale. You know, I was, I was looking to see is there a genetic contribution to psychiatric symptoms in, in HD, and, and is it shared with the, um, the other psychiatric disorders in the general population? Okay. That's, that's
0: awesome. Um, and what did the study entail?
1: Okay, so I started off with, um, with some of the GWAS data that I've been using as part of the GEM consortium in for the studies of age onset. And so what this consisted of was 5,160 HD patients, and they've got genome-wide genetic data already. They also have seven psychiatric symptoms measured, and these are psychosis, depression, apathy, irritability, violent aggressive behavior, Perseverative, obsessive behaviour, and a cognitive impairment. Okay, so these are the seven symptoms I studied, and I should point out here that these are fairly crude measures. They're basically binary measures: have you ever experienced the symptom? Yes or no. And they're taken from something called mm-hmm. the Clinical Characteristics Questionnaire. So they're they're they're, they're not very <laughs> not very refined symptoms. You know, they're, they're they're just a sort of basic starter way in, as it were. So, okay, so those those are the symptoms and then what i needed to do is to to, to, for each individual in the study i needed to give them a measurement of genetic liability to these psychiatric traits i'm interested in and the way you do that is you basically you look at the results of the genome-wide association studies for your psychiatric trait and that gives you a list of genetic variants that are influencing the risk of that psychiatric trait and then you go back you take a set of these genetic variants, and you go back to your your genotype data for your HD patient, and you basically say how many of these risk influencing variants does this individual have? Okay, so it's not really it's not really rocket science. You're just counting up the total number of you know risk risk genes that they have for to say schizophrenia, and you, you 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 sum this up over a large number of variants, and this is something that's known as a polygenic risk score. So it's a measure of genetic risk, and it's well, and as its name suggests, it, 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 it uses many, many genes. Okay, and so that gives you basically a number, and the higher that number is, the higher your genetic risk is for whatever trait you have based the 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 the, the variants on. So schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, whatever. So that's basically what I did here, and I should say this: you know, this is actually quite a common procedure in the genetic analysis of uh, common complex traits that we that we work on. So the thing about these is that we found that there are many, many genetic variants associated with disease risk, but they've each got very small effects. So to get a good measure of disease risk, you can't just look at one one variant on its own. You have to sort of add, add their effects together. And that, that's basically the idea here. Does that kind of make sense?
0: It does, yes. And what okay. were your so that's results?
1: Okay, so I, so I haven't, I'm quite, haven't quite finished describing the study yet. So basically, we did this for a number of different psychiatric traits. We had six, um, six psychiatric disorders, and we got these summary stats here from the Psychiatric Genomics Consortium that we're part of here in Cardiff. So I used schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depression, ADHD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and autism. I also looked at two neurodegenerative degenerative traits, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, and also a, a, a genome-wide association study of intelligence, okay? And then basically for these nine disorders, I calculated these genetic risk scores in the way I just told you about. And then basically I tested for association between these genetic risk scores and the presence or absence of the symptoms, the seven symptoms I described earlier in the, in, in the sample. So that basically I'm looking for correlations between symptom and genetic risk score. Mm-hmm.
0: So, did you find that at least in Huntington's, um, like one
1: type of psychiatric
0: disorder is more
1: common? Okay, so the, the psychiatric disorders themselves are more common in Huntington's than they are in the general population. But what we, what the interesting thing that we found is actually we did find there were quite a number of associations between these genetic liabilities risk scores for psychiatric disorders and the, and the psychiatric symptoms in HD. So there is a general shared genetic basis between these disorders and the symptoms. And there are there a couple of particularly strong associations that we found. Firstly, the schizophrenia liability, the schizophrenia risk, is associated with increased risk of psychosis in HD. Well, that's, you know, that's really interesting because that's kind of what you'd hope to see because you know, obviously psychosis is a major the major feature of schizophrenia, it's also associated with irritability. The other mm-hmm. thing is the other main association we found is that major depression risk was associated with increased risk of depression in HD. So, so it does look like the um, the, the HD symptoms are really quite specific in the sort of their shared genetic risk with the psychiatric disorders. And I should also point out, and we also found that cognitive, Im- sorry, cognitive impairment no, was. Associated with risk, risk of decreased intelligence. Again, as you might expect. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, that that I think. So
1: can I just say Huntington one other Station one other very experience. interesting thing we found? Sorry,
0: sorry.
1: Uh, I, I was just saying so one other as far as
0: the cognitive impairment yeah. uh, is is probably yeah. in every Huntington's patient.
1: Yeah i guess- I guess there's probably a sort of definition for how severe it has to be before it's um i mean yes it, it was it it was quite frequent in our sample, but not everybody had the sort of the um, the diagnosis of it, so there must be some sort of threshold for for how severe it has to be before yeah so the other interesting thing we found was with apathy. So naively, I thought apathy and depression would be kind of similar, but it turns out that you know while depression was associated with genetic risk of psychiatric symptoms, and in particular, the major depression, apathy didn't have any associations with these psychiatric disorders, but it did associate, again, with the liability to the, the risk of decreased intelligence. So apathy looks more like a sort of cognitive symptom in that sense than a, than a, than a um, psychiatric symptom. So it seems to have a different background to the other psychiatric symptoms, which I found was quite interesting, although possibly (laughs) HD clinicians would probably maybe not be surprised by this.
0: No, I I find it very interesting that it's not linked necessarily to psychiatric, but more of the cognitive. Um, You know, my father uh, has Huntington, so realizing that that's more of a cognitive decline and not a psychiatric side of the disease is very interesting. Yeah.
1: Um and yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, to me that was surprising uh, so an interesting so.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Now let me ask you this um do you did you do because you mentioned age of onset and stuff in your other research um with the psychiatric I mean it, you're just doing the correlations of the genetic um,
1: side of the yeah, butt in this study. A, yeah. yeah, we haven't actually done so, that yet. It's one of the things we're going on to look at. Of course, one of the things, that, you know, the psychiatric onsets are, of course, heavily correlated with with the um, the agent motor onset as well. So we would need to sort of try and sort of disentangle those effects, I think. But, so there might be a few tweaks in the analysis. But, yes, that is something we're going to go on and look at. so
0: Oh, that's great. That's definitely, I know, um, for pre-symptomatic people, it's a good um, thing to know if if they're dealing with the psychiatric symptoms, which not everybody deals with the psychiatric symptoms. That's correct,
1: too, right? No. No, No, they don't really. They don't seem to be terribly well studied. so. Um,
0: So what other type of research are you doing right now for Huntington's? You just mentioned figuring out age of onset in relation to psychiatric, yeah. um, but
1: what else? So, I mean, we're going to carry on with this study. As I said, this is only a, a first step. Um, you know, we we used some fairly crude measures of, um, of you know, symptom presence. Um, what we What we want to do is sort of refine the definitions of our symptoms, so for example, incorporating measures of severity, also we have some longitudinal data on some of our individuals, so we could sort of try and model longitudinal progression here We also i mean we 've just found a sort of generalized overlap between symptoms and psychiatric disorders we want to try and Nail down which particular genetic variants, genes, and biological pathways are involved as well. And of course, we can use the information from the the genetic studies of the, the psychiatric disorders um, in, in for, for for doing that. So once we've found the sort of the relevant genes and variants, then you, then I guess we can go and sort of model them biologically in the labs. Uh, although I'm not directly involved with that. So.
0: that's awesome so this study will continue and you'll kind of define more rather it rather than it being just crude information you'll be
1: more uh, yeah defined exactly uh, exactly we're trying to refine the phenotypic information on one side and the genetic information on the other so so to sort of try and really sort of nail down we you know which genes and pathways biological pathways are the ones to look at so
0: well, I know that I'm
1: definitely looking like we, like forward to for that onset. information. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah, so I'm. I'm sorry, so am I. It'll be. It should be interesting.
0: Oh yes, it definitely should be interesting. I, you know, it's, it, and it's something that um I know the HD community is very interested in because we deal so much with psychiatric symptoms, and you know, obviously, I've been told. Um, not everything is related to HD, but when you have tested positive for HD and then you hear that you've got depression, um it's hard not to correlate that with Huntington's. So mm-hmm. having research backing um you know that information uh it's going to be very interesting uh to see how much is related to the genetic side of it.
1: Yeah, that will that will be interesting.
0: Do you have any final thoughts for us
1: um well no I guess i mean you know so i guess what does this all mean i mean it's i mean to me it seems that um well i was, the research is basically showing that the psychiatric and cognitive symptoms have the common etiology with the, you know the shared you know background with the similar traits in the general population i guess to me it's i this is kind of interesting because it It sort of provides, it it suggests that, you know, the treatments that you used in the wider population population for depression and psychotic symptoms, you know, they may also be effective in HD as well. So we can sort of tap into the research that's going on in depression and schizophrenia and maybe maybe use those to sort of help with treatments for the symptoms in HD, don't you think? I mean, Mm -hmm. so that would be... And the only other thing is i should point out that although we found interesting sort of statistically significant results here they're not really accurate enough to be actual predictors they're not they won't they're not good enough to be able to tell you which person which hd patient is going to get a psychiatric symptom or not you know so don't so i mean that's not how these things would be used i mean it, it may be possible to derive um such predictors in future you know so for example in alzheimer's disease that you know we are getting to a situation where we can we've got genetic predictors that are clinically useful we're, we're a long way off from from that now so we we won't be able to say to, we wouldn't be able to tell an individual HD patient based on their genetic data hey you're in you're likely to have developed psychosis or whatever so but maybe maybe in the future we will be able to but that's quite a long way off so yeah
0: Right, but it's still very, um, very interesting to know if, you know, psychosis is caused by the Huntington's based off of the genetic, you know, modifiers. And I'm sure as you define more, like you said, you may be able to do that in the future, which would be extremely helpful, yeah. I'm sure, for some of our families.
1: Yeah. <laughs> i said that Oh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, I mean, this research has only just started, really, so, you know, we would need much larger yes. samples to be able to get down that path. Right, so, exactly. Uh, to get down that path, so. It would be it would, it would be an excellent thing if we were able to do it. But so We're a long way off from that at the moment. So. <laughs> well,
0: so Dr. Romans, I, I really appreciate you um, coming on our show today and sharing the information about this study and what you're doing. And we certainly appreciate all the research that you're doing um, for the Huntington's
1: community. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure.
0: And our show next week is actually going to be Um, About uh, Suicide prevention We're going to have somebody come on And talk with us um, From the uh, AFSP Mm, I messed that up But um, they'll be coming on and talking with us An expert will be coming on and talking with us About depression and suicidal ideation And suicide prevention uh, You guys look forward to that And I will talk to you guys later